Welcome to Degrees of Freedom, a podcast brought to you by Engineers Without Borders Bristol. We are Ellie. That's you. And Elby. That's me. We hope you enjoy. Hello, Elby. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Hi, Ellie. Glad to be back. Really, really glad to be back. It's been a while. It has been a while. It's only episode two and I'm already missing it. I've been missing it as well. So should we start with how much we enjoyed episode one? Lots. I enjoyed it a lot. (laughs) Jay was great. Um, If you haven't listened to it yet, go listen to that. Then come back for this one, please. It's not a prerequisite, but it is a good one. It is a good good one. one. Very interesting. Jay was lovely. He was. Um, So how's your week been, Albie? Good, yeah. Enjoy World Cup fever, obviously. Obviously. Uh, um, As someone that doesn't know a lot about football, I'm now an expert, <laughs> like everyone else. Um, yeah, looking forward to England USA tonight. Will you be watching? I will. Well, it starts at seven. Yeah, so better crack on. <laughs> yeah, and better watch this one quickly. Yeah. So, what have you got in front of you there, Albie? Ah, uh, <laughs> the Sustainable Development Goals Advent Calendar, which is an idea we came up after the first episode. So we've got a bit of backtracking to do. We also don't have any blue tax, so it's on the table today. Yeah. But it won't be on the wall for next week. <laughs> for those that can't see, it's a sort of, is it A3? Yes. In, and it's got 17 blocks with quite, all the sustainable, much like an advent calendar. It is quite shoddily printed, actually. Really poor quality printing. <laughs> um, but yeah. And what we're going to do is, as we go along, each podcast has a theme. And Link the to the first, Sustainable Development Goals. Exactly. Yeah. And what was the theme of the first podcast, Ellie? I believe quality education. Number four. I Number four, now. obviously. So in Jay's absence, because Jay's not here, um, I'm going to sort of, what do I do, circle it? I don't think you should cross it out. It seems wrong. Lovely. Brilliant. Fantastic. Sorted. Can't not see. quite a chocolate bar. Can't wait to see how that, that unveils. Where are we today? We are in, scene. I'd say, an okay lit room mm-hmm. with a big window with the curtains shut in Queen's Building in Bristol, yep. the engineering building. 1.8A, it's a favourite of mine. If you want to come find us. <laughs> yep. Nice. Um, waiting for the podcast. Waiting for Liz. But who's with us, Albie? Right now or in a minute? We've got a sheik who's desperately waiting to eat his sandwich. <laughs> he is. He wants to eat it. We told him he couldn't. If you do hear any rustling, uh, a sheik's quite hungry. Um, and who is a sheik for people who don't a know? A sheik's our wonderful producer. Wonderful. Um, yeah. Puts all our clips together. The brains behind this madness. Yes. Um, and we're also waiting for, who are we waiting for? Liz. Liz from Esoterics. We are. Um, who we'll talk about. A little bit more later. Um, well, how's your week been? Any news? Any news? New fleece? New fleece. I'm not wearing it, unfortunately, but my new fleece I will be wearing all the time. Oh, we do have big news. What have we learned oh, about Spotify? Oh, um, there's a Q&A feature. So if you're listening right the now... millions of people who have filled in our questionnaire <laughs> form. If you're listening right now, go on the... You should be able to find it on the description somewhere there. And we're going to put sort of feedback about the show. Um, and we will read it and we will appreciate it. We've actually both had lots of lovely feedback we and have. really constructive feedback um, from people. So keep that coming. Keep it constructive. Um, that's been nice. Yep. Thank you for filling in the form if you have. Yep. Great. Um, other news, we want a quiz. This we week. did want a quiz. <laughs> At the we Barrel did. House. The Barrel House in Bristol. Up in Bristol, yeah. Um, 
was we, I think we excelled on the music round. Yeah, we did, actually. I got a lot of Taylor Swift questions <laughs> right. <laughs> that was good. Um, what else do we have to say? Well, apart from to introduce Liz, remind people to, what should they do if they enjoy the podcast? Heaven they forbid. should listen again. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible marketing. <laughs> that is, rate it. Rate it. Share it. How should they share it? Um, however they like. However send they it like. to your grandma. Send it to your friends. Um, subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcast, where mm-hmm. we'll be. We're also on Anchor, mm-hmm. if that's what you choose to listen to us on. Um, and keep in store, because there will be more coming. There will, every two weeks. Yeah. Podcast Thursdays. Podcast Podca- Thursdays. Podcast every other Thursday, because it's quite a lot of effort organising, <laughs> as it turns out. It's a lot of emails, <laughs> yes. Um, so, Liz... Um, works in transport optimization mm-hmm. right here in Bristol Town. She does. Um, do you know what transport optimi- optimization is? I have not a clue. Oh. So I think, but Liz will correct us if we're wrong and if I'm wrong, um, it's essentially making sure that buses aren't too empty or too full. So you know when you see... A horrible, a stri- sweaty bus. Yeah, and then an hour later you see a completely empty bus. Or three buses at the same time. Precisely. Liz's company, Esoterix, design the network, I believe, for mm. people like First Bus or maybe Northern Trains. I don't think they do Northern Trains, but like train companies, so that their trains are in the right place at the right time to pick up the people wanting to travel. Very interesting. And that's really cool. Um, is important because public transport is good. <laughs> it is. It reduces inequalities. It does. It helps people access all the great things about their city. Sustainable. It's very linked to our sustainable development it goal, is. which for today is... Number 11, for everyone who doesn't know them off by heart. Yeah. <laughs> that is sustainable cities and communities, which by the sounds of it, what Liz, Liz and her company do is right in line with this. Yeah. It's going to be really... Really excited for this. Really interesting. Should we get going? Let's go. Hello, Liz. Lovely to have you here. Um, It's a pleasure for you to come here. Liz is now in the Queen's Engineering Building with us today, and we're really excited to have you. Thank you very much. Episode two. So, Albie, would you like to kick us off with some quick fire? I think that's the best way to get to know you to start off with, Liz. (laughs) Throw you straight in. (laughs) Throw you straight in. Get to know our guest. So, Liz, you're from Bristol. I am. You wanted some favourite parts of Bristol. Pub, coffee shop and view. Uh, Well, uh, pub, I would probably say is the Grace, just because that's quite close to home. Yeah. Uh, coffee shop um, our offices are opposite Hearts Bakery if you haven't been there I suggest you try it it's very very good uh, and I can't remember the last one View View oh well this one's pretty good <laughs> actually but I think probably my favourite view is from the suspension bridge oh, nice yeah. popular answer and for anyone who is watching us um, the blind is down, but we have a beautiful view of Cabot Tower and Wills behind us. Yeah, on a from, very sunny from day. an angle that you don't normally see it, so yeah. it's particularly special, yeah. Yeah, it's not the view of the blind. No, <laughs> it's not as nice. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, next question. Your best or worst piece of advice that you've been given? Best or worst piece of advice that you've been given? I think the only piece of advice that I come back to time and again is one day at a time, 
And recovery is a process, not an event, which feels a little bit um, like a down place to start. But actually, in life and work and everything, shit happens and it takes time to get back and you just need to keep going. Mm-hmm. Love that. Love that, Great yeah. advice for sort of exam season as well. <laughs> yeah, um, coming there. I'm going to leave that one for later. First job you ever did to make money? The first job I ever I worked in the chemist at the end of my road. And uh, I used to wash bottles on a Saturday morning. <laughs> what was, what so medicine bottles. Right. Uh, so, the, yeah, the pharmacist at the time would buy the medicines in bulk, uh, count them down into, you know, it wasn't all prepackaged. It would just sell them in a, a little bottle. And like I a sweet to, shop. A bit like a sweet shop, yeah. Oh, but wow. it was Brufen and dramatic <laughs> farm. And, and was that in Bristol? It was, yeah. Oh, it was cool. in on my road, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Lovely. I would say, what has your favourite age been so far? Uh, it Life gets better as you get older. Wow. Oh, so now. That is good yeah. to hear, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think so. Uh, yeah, I'm enjoying life. Excellent. Brilliant. Um, and this is relevant to the company you work for and the company you co-founded. Your favourite bus in the world or train? My favourite bus mean, like, or train. Route rather than specific model. The f- <laughs> yeah. um, mine, for example. Number 10 bus. The 72 is mine. <laughs> the 72. Yeah. The 72 is so wiggly. Yeah, well, that's what's so great about <laughs> it. It takes, <laughs> takes me up to you. What's the um, the tube line, in the new tube line in London? The Elizabeth line. The Elizabeth line. Yeah, that is pretty funky. Is Although funky it feels, sometimes you go in and you, it's really, really long, the platform. And it feels like everyone's coming in at the same point. So who's going to go to the very end? Anyway, I, that, perhaps I haven't discovered <laughs> it properly. Uh, the Elizabeth line is pretty flash, but I think you want to see out the window. Yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah, I enjoy a train ride down the south coast. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Uh, and bus, um, I, yeah, I think probably just, being on the top deck of coach anywhere, really, yeah. just looking out the window. I, I like I like looking out the window and travelling. Nice. Lovely. And final quick fire, what is your favourite sustainability goal and why? Of these ones here? Of the ones on our fancy new advent calendar, yes. <laughs> um, and you can't say all of them? No. Okay. <laughs> uh, favourite's an interesting way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The one I favour. Yeah. Um, I think... Weirdly, oh, it's really tricky, but weirdly, I think life below water. And I'm actually not someone who likes the sea very much. (laughs) Or fish. Um, But, uh, no, or fish, definitely. I like, you know, do your thing under the water. Um, But I have, uh, as part of the many things that I seem to have done in my life, I did a bit of copy editing for a guy who writes uh, uh, papers on marine law. Right. Um, And... Uh, it's really fascinating and a real indicator of some of the damage that we're doing, uh, but also real potential. So I think that that um, huge numbers, billions of people rely on the sea mm. for their living. Um, and I think that that's probably one that people think of that outside out of mind. But Yes, yeah, I think people aren't as aware of, probably. Lovely. That links quite nicely to my first question for you, really, to introduce yourself from engineering student yeah. <laughs> to 
uh, <laughs> someone that has clearly done lots of very uh, different all sorts of bits and pieces. Things. Yeah. Can so, you tell us a bit about that? Um, so I did an engineering degree in Hull about thirty years ago. Um, I did engineering Europe. It was called at the time, and that was it was as part of the engineering design and manufacturing faculty, um, but it included quite a bit of European studies. So I did what I would now call production engineering um, and uh, some Dante and, and, you know, I can't remember the other modules, but Dante, I remember, uh, and learning Italian and learning some Spanish. So properly semi-STEM, semi-humanities. Yeah, yeah. Wow. and I spent time working at a, a factory in that made diesel engines in a place called Cento, which is near Bologna. Oh, wow. Um and they were very, very good to me there. And I got to go around all the different departments. And uh, I spent some time in the CAD department, but they still had a technical drawing department. My God, I felt so old. <laughs> um, Actual, <laughs> pen Actual paper, people yeah. and a paper. Um, and yeah, so uh, that was, I did that. Um, and then I came back and I'd done all the Italian that I could do. So I started learning some Spanish because there was a girl in our in our, um, in our course doing engineering who was Spanish and I yeah. thought well she's a friend I'll go to Spanish <laughs> might as well yeah and um, I started going out with one of her housemates and uh, we went to Jamaica straight after I graduated because he was doing a teacher training course well they don't speak Spanish no. they don't speak Spanish <laughs> and I was teaching maths and physics and he was teaching Spanish um, and then I came back to the graduate job that I'd, because I took a, basically took a year out at that point. Right. I'd had a graduate job with a company called Carnal Metal Box, who make who do packaging. Okay. Yeah. So all the jam jar lids probably in your cupboard were made by this particular company, oh, as well cool. as all the Tetra bricks and all the beer cans and all of that. Yeah. Um, and I worked with them. I didn't work with them for very long, actually, because my mum became ill. I was working in pool you know, down in Dorset, but my mum became ill, and I really wanted to come back to Bristol to be close to her. Mm. So I came back and I worked with my dad, who has a sofa business. And I was working with him for several years, making and selling sofas. Nice. Small business. Still, still going? Still going. Is it? Is yes. there a sofa in your house? One of those? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 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 I'm actually still talking to my dad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, so I did that for quite a while, and then um, my husband, my you know the guy I'd gone to Jamaica with, became my husband, and we had a, a son, and we, he's his job, um, took him to America, so we went to the states for two years, uh, and then I was pregnant with our second son when we came back, and so I wasn't going to go back to sofas at that point because it didn't really it wasn't really compatible with kids. I thought I'll do sales and marketing part time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got involved with, um, I was doing bits and pieces, and then I became more uh, heavily involved with a rabies charity, which I briefly mentioned before we started recording, uh, and also with uh, um, actually the, the dad of someone who I met in the school playground, yeah. one of the kids in my son's class. His dad was saying, oh, I'm, I've just got this transport idea, and I'm, you know, I need some help with some bits and pieces. Do you want to do a bit of that? And uh, that's that's how transport started, and I, it ran concurrently with with the rabies work for quite a few years. But both roles were growing, yeah. um, and the rabies work was all remote, uh, and the transport work wasn't. And that's what swung it for me in the end, as I wanted to 
uh, yeah, it just, I wanted to be actually not working remote for the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah, understandably. And so from wow. there, Esoterics was born. Esoterics was born. So we started, that was, that was Esoterics. And we started, you know, the, we started doing like, um, our first project was a, uh, a proof of concept. So, um, you know, smartphones, Uber was a thing in San Francisco. Smartphones were like this new thing. Uh, and, um, I, you know, he, he was come from network optimization. He'd done stuff in consumer electronics and in defense. And, and with his sons, he was really frustrated about empty buses. He was going, there's all these people moving everywhere. There's a better way to do this. Could you try and explain what network optimization is to if people haven't heard that phrase or have heard yeah. it and sort of think they know but well also. traffic jams is a good way to describe yeah. it, okay. just, to just start the wrong where it goes wrong um if you think about it, I, i'm not sure i'm the you might be better place than me but i'll do my best <laughs> i had a go earlier <laughs> yeah so we'll i have down. no idea so whatever you say so if you think about um your road network uh and um people are moving around all the time uh but you have peak times when lots of people are trying to get one place or another place. Actually, the rail network will be better. So you've got your rail network, which is quite a discrete network. You know, there's, there's rails or there isn't. Yeah. Um, and lots of people traveling, um, let's say, in and out of London before, I mean, they still do, but let's say before COVID when you had huge overcrowding on certain train services. Um, uh, and then actually, for the rest of the day, many of the services are pretty quiet. How do you encourage people to, the people who are all using those really busy services to travel at slightly different times, okay. which means that the, the network isn't overloaded at certain times of day and can run more smoothly? Because when you have everyone trying to use the network at the same time, that means the network struggles. It can cause delays. It can cause accidents. Um, it takes longer for people to get on and off. It can becomes a more stressful experience. Uh, you've got lots of people jostling on the platform that can cause trips and falls and you know and, that, and that's not just inconvenient for the passengers it can end up costing the rail operators huge amounts of money so so that's that's my take on network optimization is how do you get the 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 people moving around or the packets or whatever it is that you're sending around whatever network it is to move around in such a way that you can anticipate when they're going to arrive and that they're going to arrive at the right time in the right condition um uh, and, you know, for the right price or whatever those other factors might be. So you're talking about changing people's behaviours as well as sort of controlling where the trains are. A little bit, yeah. Really yeah, it's... Uh, so public transport is... Trans transport in general is really expensive. Yeah. And you tend to think, what, £2.50 for a bus ride? But actually it's... it's on some services, that, that cre creates profit for the bus company, but on many of them, it doesn't come anywhere near the costs. Um, so there's a lot around um, encouraging people to use the service, to not use the car, because that puts bums on seats, which uh, adds to the revenue, which makes it more viable. Um, uh, and there's a lot around trying to say, look, I know the bus doesn't go at this time, or the train doesn't go at that time, but could you travel at that time? Do you think that would work for you? And um it's not just about yeah it's what you it's exactly you said it perfectly lb is that it's not just about encouraging the network to adapt although it's partly about that but yeah. it's also encouraging people to uh use any flexibility that they have um and that's really really hard 
So where does esoterics fall into this? So that's obviously network optimization. Yeah, so esoterics um, came around because uh, because of the empty buses, really. There's, you know, buses yeah. that serve a social, social purpose. Yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, there's a better way to... That, from a pure maths way, science point of view, there's a better way to do things. Um, one of the fascinating things about transport is that, yes, the maths and the science is part of it, but it's not all of it. And it, you've got, uh, you know, the politics and the human behaviour and the sociology and, and all of that, that that ties into it. So we started from a, um, a point of view of uh, we could redesign how the buses work um, and then it would have all these knock-on social benefits because the buses would be um, less expensive to run, they'd offer a better service, you know. It's a slightly naive, she says, 10 years later, uh, approach. <laughs> <In hindsight. laughs> yeah. uh, because, um, as I've said, there's there's lots of other things that go around it. And even just uh, moving a, a long-standing bus route, even if it's not the best bus route, can create huge kickbacks from communities that feel threatened, that feel that bus route is threatened or something. So... I think it's obvious that this has a massive impact on people's lives and inequality and how um, cities work and towns work and communities work sustainably. And it seems like that has a big impact. Huge. And it's not just it, it's how they work sustainably and how they don't work as well. And there's there are incidences, incident, um, I think incidences is the right word. I mean, can't think of. Uh, but there's an article that I saw, and I imagine if you Google it, you can find it, how in Los Angeles they used... The construction of a motorway to uh, for racial um, segregation purposes, you know, they put motorways in to break up black communities. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it has all sorts of uh, positive opportunities, but actually can also be used negatively as well. And that that's um, it makes it a bit of a battleground, but but also really really interesting. But yeah, yeah, that seems what you love about it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's um, there's never there's always something more to learn. It touches everything, and, and we've talked only so far about people, but actually, the rise in online shopping and the rise in um, uh, home deliveries means that uh, you're also talking about packages. Uh, that's had a knock-on effect on. So Brexit's had a huge impact on the transport industry because lots of the people who were doing driving jobs have left the country. Yeah. Yeah. There's a huge shortage of drivers. Um, I imagine the student body might be quite well aware of the number of bus services that have been withdrawn. Yeah. 72A. <laughs> it's a It's one of the casualties. It's one of the casualties. And I saw a, a student um, very upset tweeting away on, you know, tagging everyone in to say, you know, mayor of the west of England, you've got to do something. And it's people are desperately trying to do something. Yeah. There just aren't any people. And it's... And one of the things that spun out of Esoterics is another company that that David and I um, also run called Qroots. Um, we um, there's a, a wider management team there as well, uh, and um, Qroots uh, optimizes transport for home to school journeys, particularly oh, wow. children with special educational needs and disabilities. Okay. Um, and that's a very very badly affected area for driver shortage. Yeah. Um, highly emotive. You know, you're talking about families who are living in extremely stressful conditions uh, and that 
journey to school can be their lifeline to a few hours respite for the parents and the families and a, and a few hours of social interaction and, and therapies for the kids. Yeah. Um, massively, massively expensive to deliver. Absolutely essential for the families and the, and the children. Um, so, you know, then you start saying, oh, my God, there's, the bus service has been withdrawn. But Brexit, you know, not just Brexit, but online shopping, Brexit, various other things have meant that there's no drivers. So actually, you've also got disadvantaged kids who can't get into the experience. You know, it's, it's just... Uh, people who can't get to work. It's yeah. The repercussions are huge. The repercussions are absolutely huge. Not to mention air pollution, you know, all of that as well. Yeah. Climate. Classic climate yeah. discussion, yeah. Could you um, just go into sort of one of your projects at Esoterics? Pick your favourite one. And um, oh, my goodness. Well, we've had quite... Yeah, there have been lots of really fun ones, but I think the one that comes to mind was the first one where we, um, we're we actually testing demand, what's known now as, as dynamic demand-responsive transport, which uh, is the idea of a taxi bus. Okay. So, um, you know, I mean, there was a, a few, so there was a service called Slide Bristol. You might, you might not have been living in Bristol at the time when that happened, but there's some of the other areas have it. It's basically, you phone up a bus and it, and it comes around. It's a bit like Dial-A-Ride, but, you know, okay. cooler. Cool. <laughs> well, that's a big but part of it, it as yeah. well, isn't it? Making stasis is massive, cool massive. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Anyway, so this this project was uh, we did a, a, a demonstrator. We worked with uh, Southmead Hospital with Aerospace Airbus, who um, are up at Filton, yeah. and we worked with some businesses down in Avonmouth and Sevenside, as areas that that notoriously were difficult to reach had yeah. bad parking or access problems um, because that's the flip side is that the parking becomes you know massively divisive who's who's you know people end up getting really early to work because they've got to get a parking space you know end up getting violence in the car park and all sorts of ways so it's that's the other yeah. fighting over a car parking space, <laughs> it's not all yeah. parking isn't all, all rosy so we we did this and we um we're actually driving buses. We were hired some minibuses and we were driving around no at way. six o'clock in the morning, <laughs> picking people up, missing the stop. You know, it was it was massively um, educational in terms of what it's like to be a driver, and, and um, so I think that's probably the most memorable. Yeah. Uh, but every project has its you know its moments. We did a project with First um, about four years ago now where we. It was in Henley's, it was called My First Mile, and it was uh, demand-responsive taxis connecting to the bus, the, the core bus network. Um, because after the, the the first project that I just mentioned, one of the things we discovered quite quickly was that although people loved the service, they, they were only going to pay what they paid in petrol. Yeah. Uh, and that's really challenging. So... Um, although it costs them more than the petrol to get there, you've got that. It's a sunk cost. Once you've paid your insurance and you've paid yeah. your MOT or whatever it is, you've, you know, you might as well use it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, we went to this sort of corridor and, and feeder service model, uh, and so connecting people to the bus routes, connecting people taxis. to bus routes through taxis oh, with a single ticket, single point of purchase. Yeah. Um, Oh, so all under a bit like in London now, where you the tube and the bus, you, you tap on the tap yeah. off. 
Yeah, but it was one ticket. It was a ticket a day. It was quite wasn't quite as as sophisticated. It was nowhere near as sophisticated as like. It was a trial, yeah. and that's the other thing that's quite fun is you're designing these spike solutions to test the market. So that's that's you know it's like being a student all the time. Problem solving all the time, yeah. Is that what you try and do as a business, sort of prove concepts and? Yes, uh, yes, it is absolutely what we try and do as a business, and then um, we try to commercialise that yeah. uh, with varying levels of success. Some things fail; that is the nature of R and D. Have you got a failure? <laughs> you don't want to well, I was sorry that my first mile didn't take off yeah. in in some respects, but yeah. it was. Ultimately, you, you end up against the political and the, the financial barriers in that um, that bit of the journey isn't profitable and who's going to pay for it? The taxi. The taxi bit of the plan. journey isn't profitable. Yeah. Um, and the bus company is saying, well, I might give you a commission yeah. for the people you bring onto my network, but I'm not going to pay for that bit of it because, you know. Why should we? Why should we? Yeah. Uh, so then you have to go to the council and convince them. That's, and they, that's, that's the frustrating thing about transport is it because it's a bit of a battleground progress is really slow it feels like yeah and we're dealing with huge amounts of money though dealing with, yeah and and uh and you uh, you know come down to ideological um political ideologies sometimes about you know should it be supported by society yeah which uh lots of countries in europe have i think this um i was in berlin earlier this year and uh, although I did buy my tickets, nobody ever checked it. You just yeah. got on and off. Right. Um, yeah. And uh, and they say, you know, basically the transport is is really cheap, but the, the benefits are realised elsewhere in higher employment or or actually just collecting fair rev- collecting the revenues is quite costly. Mm. So yeah, yeah, this that's really interesting. What do you think the future of transport should look like? Maybe specifically to Bristol. Yeah, or do you have a favourite? I mean, what sort of, of people, future transport look people like? People love Europe, don't they? With sort of city transport, do you have somewhere that you look at and go? Oh, if, I love a tram. Just, I love a tram. We've, not, I love we've had this chat before. We were talking about trams yesterday. We're trying to understand why trams are better than buses and why they're not really around that much. I think I don't know an awful lot about trams, but I think they're considered light rail. Mm. Um, so I think they're, they tend to be electric, whereas buses aren't. So there is an infrastructure cost to putting them in because you've got to put the rails and the overhead, um, uh, at least to date, the overhead uh, lines. So they're not as flexible as buses in the sense that they can't just go anywhere. And buses have that advantage. They're massively flexible. They can just put them on the road most of the time. Um, in terms of... Where do I think transport really works? You, know, you end up becoming this real geek. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we want. Oh, this works yeah. really well. That's all. This could be better. Um, I, I, there's so many facets to it. I think there are places in Europe where it does work well, um, but I'm not sure that I know the cities well enough to say that it's flawless. Mm-hmm. Do you think it isn't good in the UK? Because I think we say it's not good, but is that? Just... Do you know, I was thinking yesterday. It's a lot better than people give it credit for. Right. Okay. A lot better than people give it credit for. It tends to get... Um, I think at one point Margaret Thatcher said, anyone who's in a bus over 30 is a loser. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's not cool. It's not cool. You know, and you just think, well, it's immensely frustrating for people who are going that... that you know what? In a wealthy society, everyone uses public transport. Mm-hmm. Um, because 
because it's good enough and therefore you don't have to drive and you don't have the discrepancies in um uh in you know inequality in, in terms of incomes yeah. uh, that actually don't serve anybody in the end because but, but you know within the public transport network it becomes increasingly less safe for vulnerable groups women people of color um, you don't want to travel at night you don't you know you end up thinking there aren't enough people around for me to feel safe and therefore I'm not you know it ends up becoming a vicious circle of negativity yeah. but um, in my experience people who work in transport are very committed to transport they recognize that they're delivering a service and there's a fantastic podcast um, that uh, is, it has stopped now but there was a particular episode with a guy called James Freeman who was head of first bus in Bristol and he was talking about um, running a, you know what's involved in running a successful bus service and he was talking about uh, I think it was the 45 I can't remember but it was a service that uh, served East Bristol um, and what one of the things that makes it successful is if the community feel connected to the bus service yeah. Yeah. therefore you need to have what you want to have is the same drivers who get to know the passengers um, and uh, is, there's a very moving passage, a passage in this uh, in this podcast where he says um, this particular service. He sort of, they've managed to turn it around, and, and they were going out for dinner with these drivers as a sort of you know staff meal, and the bus went past, and they all stood up. You know, it's it's yeah. really really important to them. Yeah. Um, them us. You know, you end up feeling quite. Actually, this really matters to people's lives, yeah. and it makes a huge difference. Um, and when it's good, when there aren't cars in the way, yeah. and it can drop you off where you want to be, and you're not traipsing half a mile across a car park, which is an enormous waste of space, um, and the, the land values tied up in that are huge, you know, it's better. It's great. And then that all links back into suddenly people want to be bus drivers so you don't have a driver shortage because it's this... Because it's got status. This yeah. State, yeah. Yeah, bus... I mean, people, they take a lot of grief, bus drivers. Yeah. Sometimes. It's not their fault the bus is late. Can be, but it's not always their fault. Yeah, not always, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sounds like someone from experience. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's... I, because yeah. I've painted quite a rosy picture. You know, it's... it's Ultimately, it's not a necessarily high-status job. Mm-hmm. Um... Uh, but it should be. They were, for example, key workers. Um, uh, and uh, I went to the theatre the other night with a friend of mine who invited me because she had um, got a cheap ticket because she works for the NHS. You know, she got an NHS ticket to go to the theatre, but it doesn't say key worker ticket. It doesn't recognise the number of bus drivers that died from COVID early on. Yeah. Um, you know, all the fact that those people were working all the way through. Yeah. It was... Clacking their pans for them. Giving them well, you hope they are, but very often they, they're not seen in the same way. Mm. Yeah. Um, this leads on to how can engineers listening, because there's no bus engineering courses. In no, the we don't there's do no a unit transport. on buses. Yeah, but there's so much to talk about and there's so much potential for change in it. How can engineers get involved that have heard this chat and go, oh, this could be for me. What? Wow. There's, I'm like, I'm, I'm like a broken record. There's so much going on. So it depends where you are in engineering, but there are loads, of, there's loads of stuff going on in power drives. Yeah. Um, uh, is that 
What is power drives? Power drives <laughs> is is uh, batteries, hydrogen. Okay. Um, there, uh, there's. I was this event that when I was in Berlin, um, I was going to say last month, but it was two months ago. Was at an event called Innotrans. Um, and it's all about trains. There were trains. <laughs> there were trains. There was a. Um, I got shown around the Siemens train that uh, actually has an interchangeable power drive. Sorry to keep going about power drives. Yeah. Uh, where it's um, uh, the idea is that the availability of electric and hydrogen isn't going to be consistent over the next twenty five years. Yeah that actually it might be interchangeable and it might be different in different places. And um, that's how long trains last. You know, right. you, don't, they don't, you don't switch them out every three years. They take five years yeah. to procure. So, um, so they've designed this train that actually you can change it. So it can be electric driven, it can be hydrogen driven, and, you know, that's not a... Brilliant. That know, is brilliant. You can switch it out and yeah. change it for something else. So... So it might be that you're not doing a course on how to design a train, but but that that's out there. Mm. Um, so you know, there's all of that sort of uh, mechanical engineering and the and the stuff that goes around um, that. Probably sort of lots of electrical engineering yeah. um, uh, and that sort of thing. Then there's the civil engineering. I don't I don't know. Is this all engineering that you guys talk to, or is there? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. So there's there's it's loads broad. of civil engineering and the and infrastructure. Infrastructure. Um, uh, and then what about the more the side that you do the I guess change management, looking at networks, optimization, optimization. Yeah. Because I think coming into uni that would really excite me, but I just didn't know. Didn't know where didn't to know look it was, for it. Didn't know that it existed, really. Didn't know it was engineering. Yeah. Sort of knew what the word network was, but didn't know <laughs> yeah, it was real. Yeah. It's about the kind of word I would use without knowing yeah. what it meant. Yeah, yeah, the mathsy bit. Yeah. Um, there's certainly uh, mathematicians who specialise in um, in transport. There's loads of people doing some quite complex stats around behaviour and that sort of thing. Um, I, I wish I knew the answer to how to answer your question really well. I could certainly say we could go and look at these people, what the work these people are doing, or um, you know, go and yeah. have a look at, yeah. start following these blogs and and uh, so there's that sort of thing, and I can I won't list oh, them well, now, but we, we, we them might put some of the bio notes so and stuff, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, and I would have thought, you know, I would have thought, you know, there's there was that's one thing that I felt coming out of school is that. You, I mean, I went to a very, I went to St. Ursula's actually, which was at the time a convent school. <laughs> More really? making myself feel really old. And, um, <laughs> and uh, um, you know, our careers department was a lady who wanted, it, I, it was a really small school and the, the careers advisor wanted me to do chemistry and I didn't do chemistry. So that was, <laughs> she was, didn't, I was dead to her after that. Um, and uh, so I, but I had no idea. I had no idea about, Geography. I mean, I, I didn't do geography at all, but I quite liked geography at GCSE, and I didn't. I didn't really know that there were jobs that you know, urban planning. I did. Well, I had no idea about urban planning, but that is so into people. You know, totally touches on people's lives, um, and cities are generally more efficient for in in terms of living. That not everyone loves living in a city, but it's. But how that's designed has huge, huge implications for people's quality of life, and it's not just. You know, oh, it's a bit noisy. It, it's it actually changes people's lives. Can do so. Yeah. So I would, 
you know, have a look around, see what you um, see what you find interesting, and follow your nose. Brilliant. Yeah. As you can hear the clock in the background, it's <laughs> telling us. I think that's all we've got time for, unfortunately. But um, thank you very much, Liz, for coming in. It's been a pleasure. It's it was so interesting. Really interesting. Lovely to meet you. Likewise. Um, and hopefully that gives people just a little look into this, what I think is a really interesting world for engineers um, to potentially impact, um, but also for, for all of us to understand how it, how it really affects people's lives. Yeah, it's a scope that I don't think I had any understanding of how large it was and the impacts it can have. And we didn't touch on it, but the amount of sustainable development goals that it can encompass. At least six. At least six <laughs> of the 17. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if you're interested, take Liz's advice, follow your nose, get involved. Um, I'll, send you some, I'll send you some links and you can perhaps put them in the link. In the exactly. Yeah. Definitely we'll will do. Some, some recommended reading <laughs> in the description. Brilliant, Albie. So wasn't Liz brilliant? Yeah, I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed I feel enjoyed very it. inspired. I do. I feel excited. Um, so that is episode two, Out the Way. Let's... Out the Way. Out the Way. <laughs> recorded. Terrible attitude. <laughs> no, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, what was your key takeaway from that? I really liked the bit right at the start when I asked, um, what is network optimization? And I was thinking it's it's going to the, the bus and train companies and saying, put your trains here, put your buses here. Mm-hmm. But... Liz clearly approaches it as a, as a two-sided problem. It's as much about encouraging people to use transport at times that use the network better. Um, and I think that applies to a lot of engineering problems. It's not just about fixing the product. It's about thinking about, okay, how can people um, engage with this product differently? And I think there's so much power in that. How about you? That buses are cool. Buses are cool. They are. And that they have such... Not just buses, but transport in general, public transport has such a power to affect the social status in cities, in communities. The fact that they bring people together, they bring people where they need to be. They have a massive influence on the way that society runs and the way that inequalities can be solved. I think next time you're thinking of getting a boy, take a bus. Take a bus. Do it. Say hello to your bus driver. Exactly. Don't complain about the £1.50. <laughs> Change the world one bus at a time. One £1.50 at a time. Brilliant. So shall we go through any housekeeping? It's my favourite bit. My favourite bit of the podcast. I'll do the first one. Okay. Just a shout out to George Vesey for doing the music. The little jingles. Which we are loving. We are loving them. And you? Um, shout out to James Norman's Ingenious Podcast that is now on Spotify, Apple Music and on Anchor. So go check that out as well, which is another... Podcast brought to you from Engineers Without Borders, Bristol. All that's left is to say, like, share, subscribe, rate, TikTok, Twitter. Fill out our forms. Answer the question. Look in the bio for Liz's Liz's, suggestions. Liz's suggestions. And we will see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye. Bye.